Uh, good morning. Let's begin Psalms chapter number 44. Oh God, we have clearly heard. Our ancestors have told us what you did in their days in ancient times. You, by your power, defeated nations and settled our fathers on their land. You crushed the people living there and enabled our ancestors to occupy it. For they did not conquer the land by their swords and they did not prevail by their strength, but rather by your power, your strength, and your good favor. For you were partial to them. You are my king, O God, decree Jacob's deliverance. By your power, we will drive back our enemies, and by your strength, we will trample down our foes. For I do not trust in my bow. I do not prevail by my sword. For you deliver us from our enemies. You humiliate those who hate us. In you, I boast all day long. And we will continually give thanks to your name. We've been rejected and embarrassed. You did not go into battle with our armies, and you made us retreat from the enemy. Those who hate us take whatever they wanted from us, and you handed us over as sheep to be eaten. You scattered us among the nations and sold your people for a pittance. You did not ask a high price for them. You made us an object of disdain to our neighbors, and those who live on our borders taunt and have insulted us. You made us an object of ridicule among the nations, and foreigners have treated us with contempt. All the day long, I've felt humiliated and overwhelmed with shame before the vindictive enemy who's ridiculed and insulted me. All this happened to us, and even though we've not rejected you or violated your covenant with us, we have not been unfaithful, nor have we disobeyed your commands. Even though we've been battered and left in a heap of ruins, overrun by wild dogs, and covered with darkness, if we have rejected our God and spread out our hands in prayer to another God, would not God discover it? For he knows one's thoughts. Yet because of you, we've been killed all day long. We've been treated like sheep at the slaughtering block. Rouse yourself. Why have you been sleeping, O Lord? Wake up and do not reject us forever. Why have you been looking the other way and ignoring us? Even though we've been oppressed and mistreated, we've lied in the dirt with our bellies pressed to the ground. And so we ask you, Lord, this morning, rise up. Rise up and help us, Lord, for we claim that we need you. Oh, I need you, Lord.
And I could lead thousands to the throne in the heights of heaven. And I could fail and be cast down to the throes of hell. But you are with me in the dark and in the light. You are with me. 
And I could sing at the top of my tongues with the tongues of angels. But if I don't have you, I have nothing. Just a clanging cymbal and a trash can lid. <laughs> oh, this is my song to you. Oh, this is my song to you. It's only by your love, it's only by your love that we take on. If I have all knowledge and if I can understand all the things of heaven and earth, but I have no love, it's worth nothing. If I give all I have, all I have, if I am known for my generosity, but I don't have love, it's nothing. And I choose where to give my praise. And for you, I would give anything. And I choose where to give my praise. For you, I would give anything. I will sing me your greatness. I will sing of your love. And I will open my mouth and let the love you started pour out I will sing of your greatness and I will sing of your greatness I will sing of your love oh I will not be silent So now, while I live, I will bless you, oh my God, and I lift to you my hands with all I am and all my hopes and dreams. This is my sacrifice of praise. This is my sacrifice of praise. So now, 
while I live, I will bless you, oh my God, and I lift to you my hands with all I am and all my hopes and dreams. This is my sacrifice of praise. This. This is my sacrifice of praise. And I finally found something inside of me fit to give the king that no one can bring but me. So here, this is my song to you. This is my song to you. And you love me because you love me. I love you. Right. 
Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He takes me to lush pastures, he leads me to refreshing water. And he restores my strength, he leads me down the right paths for the sake of his reputation. Even when I must walk through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff reassure me. And you prepare a feast before me and plain sight of my enemies, and you refresh my head with oil. My cup is completely full. Surely goodness and faithfulness will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the Lord's house for the rest of my life.
who is like my God, my enemies consume themselves, who is like my king, he who rules with compassion and love, who is like my warrior, he who rescues me and will avenge me. It's only a little while that I sit in darkness. Rejoice not against me, O enemy, and when I fall, I shall arise. The Lord is my life. like my Lord, he is the light unto my path, who is like my judge, who took my sins to death, oh, on that tree, who is like my love, who wants to know me intimately. only a little while I sit in darkness rejoice not against me oh enemy and when I fall I shall arise the Lord is my
Wave the banner of grace on the sunrise as mercy waves from the north. Deep and wide, his love is never failing. He opens his arms for us to come running. Oh, he loves us. He loves us. 
I'm just hearing, um, believe on the one whom he has sent. Believe Jesus. Believe Jesus. That's where the battle is fought and won. Just believe him on what he has declared over you. He has already, he has already paid for your righteousness with his own blood. Believe it. And all the other stuff, we, we have to believe right now. Whatever he said, believe. Stand up and believe. Don't let your belief wane. Stand up and believe. Press in.
just going to say it how I'm getting it. There's been a profundity of political propaganda and perversity. And I will not have it. That's what he's saying to me. A profundity of political propaganda and there's perversity. And I will not have it. Ask me for your nation. Um, uh, perjury or something like that against the oath is what the Lord is saying to me. It's been perjury against the oath. Um, maybe he has to do with the oath of office. <clears throat> and it's, it's been great uh, perjury in our nation. the courts in session. Psalms 37, 7, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Exodus 14, 14, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 11, the Levites calmed all the people saying, be still for this is a holy day, do not grieve. Psalms 46.10, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations, I will be exalted in the earth. Ruth chapter 3 verse 18 then she said sit still my daughter until you know how the matter will turn out for the man will not rest until he has concluded the matter this day Zechariah chapter 2 verse 12 and 13 
the Lord will inherit Judah as his portion in the Holy Land, and I will again choose Jerusalem. Be still before the Lord, all mankind. He is rousing himself from his holy dwelling. Amen. Well, the Lord, he, he just said to me, you know, you have permission to give your context. And so I'm going to do that, uh, attempt to do what, uh, before this event began today, um, I got a pretty thorough brief, and probably about an hour before we even got over here, the Lord was giving me a brief, and so I'm going to attempt to brief you. Uh, for those of you that are on our Asheville Collider Facebook Messenger, um, you can go on there, and I've put my notes on there just now. If you're not, if, if you're not on that Facebook Messenger, uh, that's fine, and what will happen here in Again, I'll, I'm going to uh, conduct a debrief brief for what I believe the Spirit of God is saying uh, to us corporately and in regards to this nation and in regards to uh, and on a multinational scale, which uh, can sound kind of bodacious, and I guess it is. Um, uh, I certainly have felt like it was myself. But let's begin. We'll begin with prayer, and then we'll jump into this and um, <coughs> together. Lord, Holy Spirit. We recognize that you're in charge and that you're running the show and it's your business and that we're submitted to you. You're our God and we're your people and we submit to whatever it is that you want in the way and disposition that you want. Lord, we thank you for your anointing on your people. We thank you for being moved to action, arousing yourself concerning this entire land. As you're in preparation and have been in preparation and longing as you spoke to me last week uh, to come down and to be among your people. And you have prepared a people that are made ready for you. Many of us, Lord, have been initiated and longing for this day to come. But much more, as you said to me, that you long, Father, for this day to come upon us. And this day is on us now. And Lord, we just pray that you be with us in the uh, intervening days. Be with your people as we are being mobilized and being prepared uh, by you uh, in this nation and in, in the nations of the earth. In your name we pray, amen. I mean, I'm sure that you can feel the sobriety that's in this room right now and the, uh, the sanctity of this moment uh, and also how much distraction can come into uh, our minds and our hearts, especially when the Lord begins to uh, vacate an atmosphere of just even even sound or song or or you know mechanized technology or whatever, and the Lord begins to move, and um, you know we would take him as someone, and I'm sure many of you know, but when he begins to show up and begins to move, he is so different than what we expect, and I just say that that my expectation of him and the way I've come to know him many times, it's more like vacancy 
than it is anything when he begins to come in he begins to carve out a space where he can uh, say you know nothing of this world or the things that we use in this world can compare to an uncreated God and I believe that 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 very presence of the Lord uh, and the very nature of God himself is moving among us and so a lot of times I'm sure you know every time he's ever shown up on me it's like I want to run and flee like a thousand miles away and he's like, no, it's me, don't run, it's me. Because he's, he's so holy and so righteous that it, everything we've placed our trust in does not and cannot equate to this, um, this, this God whom we serve. He's so different and other than what we expect. And I expect that um, he's among us now. And, and so, you know how it says, and Solomon said this, Moses said this, that he's light. And then he's clothed himself uh, around himself in a cloud. And so that cloud becomes in and it begins to become very disoriented. A disorientation sets up. And so uh, we just trust him in those moments and the disorientation. And I don't know what's going on. And you can definitely experience and feel that this morning while the cloud of God is uh, coming down. Now, I want to go this, through this with you and brief you. And it has to be said publicly, and the Lord wanted this thing. He's like, I've got to have it recorded. It's got to be in the live stream. And so that's the reason for the tech up here is not the tech's going to bring God because we all know that's not what it's about. But he needs a public, uh, he wants this put on public record and uh, so that it'll be seen for whatever he is and, and, and what he's doing in, our, in this land. Last week, I'm going to start where he started with me, Isaiah chapter 60, verse 22. And uh, if you have those notes, they're on Facebook Messenger. And I don't know if they can put those up on the screen. That's kind of asking for a lot probably. Uh, but it's in an Evernote file, and, and you may or may not. So don't, if you don't have this, don't worry about it. You don't have to have it. it it's not going to uh, hinder you from hearing what I'm having to say. So if it kind of like gets into your mind too much and you're like, uh, you know, don't do that. Just stay with me with, with this, and I'll lead you through this with the Lord. Isaiah uh, chapter 60, verse 22, the Lord telling me, I want you to run a, a recap on your context uh, with this content. Uh, the least of you will multiply into a thousand. I've heard Brad Ames say this many times. You know, we're coming upon a day that used to take 100 men to do or 10 men to do will be done by one. And the equivalent of what it would take to, for 1,000 men to do, one man will do that. Uh, Caiaphas knew this. Remember Caiaphas, the high priest? He had served 32 years, four eight-year terms. He said that, he said something similar to this. He said, uh, one man, if we, if we just could get one, kill one man for the entire nation, that would work. And so um, many of you that are remnant-oriented and, and have been like brought deeply into uh, the Lord, where he's taking you through long, protracted seasons of exile and training in him, was for the purpose of increasing and multiplying out of who, who he is in you through you. Of course, uh, Jesus has got the ultimate multiplication factor going in his life. For one man, billions and billions would be converted under his sacrifice. And there's no greater one. There's never going to be the one that took place at the cross. Um, Paul will talk about that he could fill up. I don't know if this is 
uh, a lot of people don't like to hear this, but Paul would talk about that he can fill up the sufferings of the Lord. Paul knew something of what is being said here in Isaiah 60, that there was a capacity that God, when he made man, that man could get more accomplished one could if that one would be trained and developed by the Lord to go deeper in the Lord. Uh, hear me out. This is really important that you hear this. And I, I know I got most of your eyes locked up with me, but that you hear this because he told me you need a context for the content of the work that he's done in you. Because a lot of times, especially when you go in and you, you go back and the Lord starts to dig deep down into your psychology or psyche that works in your subconscious realm and gets down deep into your life. For what purpose? Well, so that one could put a thousand, you know, 10,000 to flight. Uh, Psalms 91, uh, the Lord has been working in a remnant people for an expression of himself in the earth, right? That could multiply quickly. And I believe that he's, he's had them all in them. Um, he sort of had what he's been doing with you. He's had you waiting, waiting on him like, and he's going to activate you. Not, not unlike the way the world system works in activating someone, you know, in a very evil way. You know, waiting, okay, we're going to put this one phrase in, and then this guy's going to go do whatever he does. That's, you know, that's not what we're talking about. You've been under the Lord actually working in your life to basically... Uh, there's going to come a time when he's going to basically uh, run the activation on you, and it's, it's like a um, crypto or something. It's, it comes in, and he speaks, and you're activated. And I know that you know what I'm talking about because you've been waiting. <laughs> I mean, at least that's what he's told me. You've been waiting for this, but like someday I, I know there's something that's going to happen, and I'm like, I feel like I'm on the precipice of something. Who knows what I'm saying? I'm on the precipice of something. I gave my life to him. I'm fully bought. Nobody really knows my secret identity in him, but I am his. Now, I was made for him, and he, he called me, designed me, commissioned me, and I'm like in a, I'm in a waiting because I'm, I'm being prepared by the Lord to be activated for multiplication. And so it have been long seasons long seasons of human development and training and everything for God to go down deep inside and to carve out a place where he could come in, where the Lord himself could come in and boom, you're activated. And this is the nature of the remnant. It's a people that are completely completely been framed in their person for God to come in and boom. Sometimes, you know, he just comes in and you experience him and you're just like, this is not me. This is not me running the show in here. This is him. If you don't know what I'm saying, you will very soon when the eyes of the Lord, his own Christology are shining through your own eyes and you know that he's tabernacling inside of you running your framework because you've given him the full right to your extremity of your human existence and he's in charge inside of you. And, and so many people, they don't want the Holy Spirit, uh, first of all, but the Holy Spirit, once you received the Holy Spirit back when you did, that's what he went about doing. 
I'm going to carve out a place inside of you so that I can manifest my life in you. It's beyond Passover and Pentecost. This is tabernacles when God himself takes over your human body and unions himself with you. It's, it's, a, it's one of the most, you know, it's profound. And you know because you learn this, there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, you can't make God come in and run the show, the show of your life, the person that you are. You can't make him do it. He, it's his decision. It's his, it's his, when he authorizes it, and this, this is coming. This will be, this is more the mark of the end time move of God. What I'm describing, this union of God in the soul of man in the remnant so, uh, for the bringing in of this end time move, we'll, this will mark you and I, like never before. Now, I've experienced him coming into my person, and it's, I'll tell you, it is on the other side of judgment. You will not be in judgment, and you won't be under judgment. It's beyond the judgment tree. It's the full tree of life. It's, it's himself. And he longs for this like the Father longs for union. Uh, Jesus prayed it in John 17. Father, make them one. Do you see what I mean? It's right there in the text. Right there in the text. This is his desire. This is his delight to union himself with you. So the least of you will multiply into a thousand, and the smallest of you, listen to this, will become a large nation. He said, I speak this word over your company this morning. The Lord tell me. I say this about your company. I say this about your ministry. I say this over you. You will become a large nation. You are a large nation. What does it say? I mean, it says, the smallest of you. You know, we're going to see this later on in Zechariah 4. Don't despise what? Small things. Don't look at the size because God's been carving out Million, billion inside of your soul. He can do it. He can do it. He can carve a thousand, carve 10,000 out. He can carve a million out. He can carve a billion. He can carve that right out inside of one human that will fully just give themselves completely over. And then he gets certificate of occupancy. (laughs) You know what I mean? And he turns the power on. I, the Lord, will quickly do this. Last week, I'm up here, I'm like, what is going on? You know, I, I'm just struggling with it this morning. Something that just not, cannot lock in or something is like, what is going on? The, the Lord's like, go to Jeremiah 1 and listen, you, I'm going to teach you how not to faint in the day. I'm going to teach you it don't matter what sound or light you're under. It doesn't matter. I am God. It don't matter what rings in your ear. It doesn't matter what blinds your eyes. It doesn't matter. I'm, I'm going to teach you how to go beyond all that. You have to know me beyond uh, light and sound and everything. I'm uncreated. I'm, you're going to learn. Don't faint when you're in the middle of you can't think straight. Your mind can't get oriented. Your sound is off. Your whole entire senses are off. Um, I'm coming in on that. I'm looking for a people that will trust me. Don't faint in the day. Do not faint in the day when I begin to move. Just stay and wait on me. And so he's 
Last week, he's like, Jeremiah 1. And I scan down into Jeremiah, and he says, what do you see? And he says, I see this uh, bucket is being poured out or something like that. And he says, and yeah, it's coming down out of the north. And I, it, it catches my eye last week, and I'm like, it's coming down out of the north. Now, I'm up here, and I feel like completely disoriented. Let me tell you, and I felt it today. Again, spatial disorientation. I experienced it when I was in aviation. Uh, we would get into a cloud, and when you get in the cloud, I don't know how many of you have flown aircraft or been a pilot or navigator, but when you get into a cloud, you don't know which way is upside down, right or left or whatever. You could be descending, you could be ascending, unless you read your instruments. And it, you have to lock up the instrument panel, and you have, know how, have to know how to use it because you have no visual uh, conditions that you can associate with. And so it really, like, centers in on a panel. Pay attention to your panel, you know, and if certain instruments begin to fail on your panel, you know, you run down to your emergency panel, and you, usually you, you have three instruments, and if you can just run off that, you can navigate off of just very little. That, that's my sense last week. I'm like, I'm running on, I'm running on uh, emergency essential bus on my aircraft, I'm in a cloud, I know, I'm completely spatially disoriented. The only other time I've experienced that is when they, down in Pensacola, Florida, they purposefully uh, put us, they put us in a tube of like a helicopter, they strap you in, they put goggles on you with black in the goggles, and they um, put you underwater, flip the uh, aircraft upside down in the water, they have divers in the water, and then they tell you to get out, and if you don't get out of a certain door, you have to repeat the process, and I... I saw I saw people like literally like losing it underwater because you couldn't see you get completely disoriented and they're screaming yelling underwater they'll suck back water into their lungs because the whole idea was is you've got to be able to just be still in that moment not panic because the, the nature is to just completely panic and then you have all your, they want you in full gear, helmet, boots, you know, uh, parachute, the whole thing, and get out of a complicated lock. And I remember thinking, when they do this to me, I'm going to train my muscles to pull in one direction. And that's what I told myself, and I was out, and I got out of the thing. But, but I watched flailing and yelling and things like that, and that is kind of like the experience that I'm describing that happened literally today and last week. It's complete spatial disorientation. And, you know, the only thing you can do is you're thinking it's because of this or that or this or that. And that's the way the mind works. And the Lord is wanting to teach us how don't look at that, don't hear that, don't think about that. Lock yourself up on me. Because spatial disorientation apparently is part of Jesus' training program. Apparently. So last week I'm looking for a fix. And I'll tell you how I lead I look for a double or a triple witness up here while I'm on the stage. I'm looking for the Lord to make a call because I don't know how to lead you. I don't know what I'm doing. So I'm like, I don't know. And until he speaks, there's no leadership because he's the one who's running it. He is the leader. And if he doesn't speak, there's no way to know what to do. Um, if, if anything's qualified any of us for leadership, that's the qualification that you finally admit that you don't know how to do it and you can't. <laughs> that's, he said, that's your qualification. Okay, now you're qualified. You're completely vulnerable and dependent. There's your qualification. Because there's no one that can actually lead God's church except the Lord himself. He's the one that builds it, right? Unless he does, 
what? You labor in vain. You might as well quit doing what you're doing, go to a country club or something, hang out with your friends. Don't be here. Do something else. If you're not willing to be vulnerable and dependent, you can't even walk with him. And so anyways, total spatial disorientation, that's when he says, go Jeremiah 1. I'm like, okay. I, see, I go down, and I scan, and this is how the text works. Pops, north. I'm like, got you. Then he said, go to Joel 2. And I said to the Lord, I'm not doing, I don't, okay. I don't want to do Joel 2. <laughs> do y'all know why? Because the Joel 2 pundits that came out of like the 50s, 60s, latter rain guys, you know what, anybody know what I'm talking about? The Joel 2 army that's raising up in the end times. I'm like, don't say Joel 2. It's got to be a lying sign or a lying voice. It can't be the Lord because Joel 2 is like what all those guys are saying we should do. And he's like, this isn't happening. He's like, no, it's happening now. I'm like, oh, you, Joel 2? No, Joel 2 for real. Yeah, no, Joel 2, like I'm calling Joel 2, not you calling Joel 2 because you want to have that great ministry thing going where, you know, the end time army's going to raise up. No, not that Joel 2. No, that's the one I'm saying now. You're saying, okay, if you're saying it, well, if the Lord's saying Joel 2, then okay, we'll take Joel 2. And I still wouldn't believe it until I scanned down to Joel 2, 20, and it says, and I will deal with your enemy out of the north. And I say, oh, 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 oh. Jeremiah 1, Joel 2, oh, I'm... Oh, I'm tracking you now. I got me a double fix because that's how we navigate in God. I need a double text fix that matches. I'm also teaching you how, to, how I learned to follow him. I'm looking for a double or triple witness. It says that in Scripture, right? I think it's in Deuteronomy somewhere. You need out of the mouth of what? Two or what? We need three, two to three witnesses. I prefer three to four or five witnesses. <laughs> you know, and I want the witness has to agree. And so I'm like, north, north, you got an enemy come out of the north, I'm going to deal with your enemy out of the north. I said, oh, who's my enemy out of the north? Oh, later on, Isaiah 14, verse 13, Lucifer's ascending into the heavens, say, I'm going to ascend. And in the fourth ascension motif, you can listen to my podcast, Lucifer Appeal, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I would recommend it. He ascends up into heaven. He said, I, I want to set up a place in the sides of the north. I sent you material last week. You'll have, you can do Michael Heiser, divine counsel imagery, and all that to even understand what I'm talking about. But Lucifer, I said, oh, so he's my, oh, that's our enemy. I'm just showing you how I'm tracking last week. I'm like, oh, man. So I'm up here. I finally get a triple track on the north. And I said, okay, I'm tracking you down, Lord. I got you. I got you. I feel the spirit begin to move. I'm like, it's you. <sighs> it's you. Yeah. And then he says, take command. And I said, uh, you have authority. And uh, I give you authority. And um, I said, authority for what? And then all of a sudden, three visions flash in front of my eyes all at the same time. Uh, and then, you know, if you're looking at me up here, I'm sort of like this. You know, it's like, how could that be happening? <laughs> Where's the vision? I don't see it. Now, you don't have to believe me, but it's totally subjective. But let me tell you, let me tell you, and I'm, if you have those notes, I'll, um, I'm going to lay this out in three parts because the three visions I see and experience, they're actually in um, the book that we're working through in Zechariah, Glory in Our Midst. 
This is in Zechariah 2. He says, I'm going to be, I'm going to come down and I'm going to be a glory in your midst. Uh, Meredith Klein. And I, if you want to, I'd recommend purchasing this book. It's $34, right? $35. Richard Nolan ordered it this week. I'd recommend it if you want to because it's what we're going through. Um, we're actually experiencing the book and then I'm reading about what our own experiences are, which is fascinating how Meredith Klein was writing this book back in early 2001, and now we're like experiencing what he was writing. And so uh, I get home um, Sunday night. I hadn't even read ahead. We're in chapter two, and I'm going through it verse by verse with you. But last Sunday, I'm so spatially disoriented, I forgot to preach out of Zechariah 2. So I get home and I'm looking down at Zechariah 2 and it, in verse um, 6. And this is where we would have been last Sunday. And listen to what it says. You there, flee from the Northland. And I'm like, I'm laying on my bed and I'm like, what? Oh my, we're in the text. You know, I mean, it's, the text is unfolding itself the word has become flesh and dwelling among us. We are actually in the text. Oh my gosh, this happens all the time, but it's just kind of flabbergasting to me. Oh man, the three points, right? Jeremiah 1, Joel 2, or Joel 2 and Isaiah 14, and then I get home, Zechariah 2. Hey, listen, you there, <laughs> you there, you there, you there, flee from the Northland. Says the Lord, for the four winds of heaven I have scattered you, says the Lord. Well, I don't know if you remember. So I'm up here, and the Lord's like, you have authority. Authority to do what? He said, gather, call for the elect. Uh, call, tell the angels to gather the elect from the four corners of the earth. I said, what? what are you? No, this ministry, yeah, do it. I'm like, oh, Okay. Because I've scattered them, now I'm going to gather them. I think it's kind of funny because, I mean, it's just like he's talking. He says, listen, escape Zion, you who live among the Babylonians. I'm going to try to put this together for you, but at the very end of our event last week, Carol, before the event, she says, Carol, will you have this YouTube video song played by Nathan called Bye Bye Babylon? I mean, we're not, we don't even know what we're doing, and it's right there. And this song played when all of y'all were leaving. Bye-bye Babylon. Um, I don't know if you need what is Babylon, but I would just say it means the fig leaves. <laughs> what do I mean by that? It's when mankind puts fig leaves on themselves to protect themselves from the Almighty. That's what happened in the original aspect of the garden. Remember, well, it's too complex, but if you know your Bibles well, you know what I mean, that mankind has been clothed themselves, so they lost this light-based intimacy with the Father. And the Lord's saying, be done with it. I want to integrate with you. I want to, I want to experience with you, and I, I want this Babylonian thing done with in your life. We call it pretentiousness, but that's not even a good word. I mean, it's a word. But it don't, it's like the Lord's saying, I want everything uncovered in front of me. Don't you know that you're blind, poor, and naked? Don't you know your human condition? It's full, complete vulnerability, which would run most people off, I admit. 
It's complete spatial disorientation without a lockup of his own light on you. It's, it's you realize in a moment that you're nothing, and all of a sudden, in the moment of nothingness, you realize you're everything to him. It's like that. It's like, I'm nothing without you. Oh my gosh, I'm everything because of you. You know, it's like that. It's complete, like one extreme to the other in the same moment. I have nothing, I'll be nothing, I, can't, I, I produce nothing, I'm nothing without you. And then I'm everything because you delight in me. That's where Christology and anthropology union. It's like that. And so he's saying, hey, flee from the Babylonians, for the Lord who rules over all says to me, for his own glory, he sent me to the nations that plundered you, for anyone touches you, touches a pupil of his eye. I'm going to punish them in such a way, he says, that they'll be looted by their own slaves. Then you'll know that the Lord who rules over all has sent me to you. You know, you hear about wealth transfer and all that. That's what he's talking about here. I'm going to transfer over to my people that which had been plundered from them. Uh, this will happen literally. This is beginning to happen now. There's a plundering actually happening right now. Sing out and be happy, Zion. <laughs> Sing out and happy, be Zion, my daughter, for look, I have come. And I'm going to settle in your midst. Or as Klein says, I will be a glory in your midst. Many nations will join themselves to the Lord on the day of salvation. And they will also be my people. Indeed, I will settle in the midst of you all. And then you'll know the Lord who rules over all has sent me to you. The Lord will take possession of Judah as his portion in the Holy Land. He'll choose Jerusalem once again. Listen to this. I was showing this to Stephen just now. I mean, when this was going on, be silent in the Lord's presence. It's right there in the text. Ladies and gentlemen, the text is literally unfolding the word made flesh in our midst. Why do you think the silence had to come this morning? The world wasn't going to be satisfied apparently with anything other than silence. He said, be silent, be silent in my midst. In the Lord's midst, he says, um, listen, be in the Lord's presence, all people everywhere. For he's being moved to action in his holy dwelling place. Listen to what the commentator writes. The sense here is that God in heaven is about to undertake the occupation of the earthly realm. Whew. This is what we've been longing for. I remember years ago in 08 when I was praying, he said, if I came down like you're asking me, I'd kill everybody. But if you'll go and you'll prepare a people for me, I will come down. I will come down and, I, you know, we wait on him for this, him, the glory cloud, to come down. I believe they have my notes, you said. Okay, let's put them up. Man, you guys are awesome. So there you go. The least of you will multiply into a thousand. The smallest of you will become a large nation. When the right time comes, our Lord will quickly do this. This is the word of the Lord to me this morning. 
He told me to go through this. Our ministry, is went through, we went through an exile period. It took 70 weeks. As some of you are picking up along the way, and many more will gather with us as this thing goes. And as the Lord begins to reap in the nation, and we went through that probation and conferral period. It lasted 70 weeks. We call that exit to millennium, um, X2M. And then we went through a confirmation period. I've separated the confirmation period into two aspects, the temple which is the feminine aspect, and the double helix, which is the seed, the masculine aspect, into 40 weeks. We went through a 40-week confirmation in this ministry. So X2M 71 through, what did it say back a minute? And then we went um, 71 through 90, and then 91 through 110, it was epic. Ten aspects of Christology, ten aspects of our anthropology, all P words, Tom McManus. We were in a prayer meeting, and I said, Lord, what's this going to be like? And he said, Tom's over there joking around saying, give me a chance. And he's talking about taking kids on a, a school bus and, you know, them having to go to the restroom. But I was sitting there in the prayer meeting asking the Lord what would be the letter that would identify <laughs> the, the next thing. And, and, he, and right when I say it to the Lord, Tom says, give me a chance. And I, it's the word of the Lord. <laughs> and the Lord took 10 Ten Greek letters, phi and pay. Is that right? No. What is it? Phi? Okay. And so, and I'm, I'm like, okay. And then there was ten, there's ten Greek let words that came out of the Greek, and they all match the Christology of Jesus. It is phenomenal. The double helix. So we went through that, and then we all, as y'all know, we left the pavilion out at Tom and Laura Gross's pavilion, and we went into our favorite time as a ministry, Seventh-day Adventist. <laughs> wonderful experience. When the Lord took the haze and phased us into his face, and he said, you know, I'm, I'm going to deal with something here. I'm, you know, I'm going to I'm going to phase you. This week, one of the kids was talking about sorority and fraternities and hazing. And I said, what? I was like, Lord, you're, you did that to us. You phased us all. We all went through a hazing ritual while we were at Seventh Day at Venice and didn't know it. <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah, I was going to. And everybody's like, oh, all of it. You know, not all of us, but most of us. Anyways, while he phased us into his face. Listen, he said to Moses, he said, I'm going to hide you in the cleft of the rock. Why? And I'm going to show you what? My, hine, my hiney. <laughs> I'm going to show you my hinder parts or outer parts. But in this new move of God, he's going to show you his inner parts, his face. And so Moses took from the outer dimension of God, but in this move, in X2M, the second exodus, God raises up a people that he shows his inner parts, his face. And he transmits or mutes or whatever onto your consciousness his own nature. So he took the double helix. He said, I have it now. I'm going to install it. Like through viral loading, you can ask just Vickery about how that works, but you can load something through a virus onto your mainframe and Put it in, and so some of us we were going through that made us a little sick. You know, y'all know what I'm talking about. It's like while you were receiving the double helix, it was epic, <laughs> wasn't it, McManus? While the Lord's laying on your chest at night, right? <laughs> I was over there, and he's over there. And he's like, I'm up all night. <laughs> I was like, oh, this was hard. Anyways. 
phase into the face of the Lord. Parousia means the second coming or the idea of a second advent. Just so happened we were at Seventh-day Adventists, that the Lord has a second advent. What? Christ in you. Christ in you. Parousia. Phenotype is different. Phenotype is what you see. Like if genotype would be, okay, let's use the eyes, for instance. Your gene gnome would make up uh, why you have blue or brown eyes or hazel or whatever color eyes. It's different type of eyes that you have, but phenotype is what we see when we're looking at someone else, their color of the eye. And so the Lord's like, I want to take the phasing of the face and the second coming, and I want them to see me in you. And we go through a structural thing, phenotype X, X, M, and X, 2, M. And that's, you can listen to the podcast. They're just revolutionary. <laughs> Amazing what the Lord was doing. So permitare, I didn't know what this meant, but apparently it means a permanent dynasty. The same one that Saul lost and was given to a better man, David. Well, we passed the test. That's probably one of the hardest examinations I've ever had in leadership. Maybe for some of you that were there, it may have tested you to the max too. It's probably one of the most difficult examinations ever. Why? Because the Lord put a test against Saul for seven days. See it is, X2M 111 through 117. Right at the very last minute, he fails. He does not keep the word of the Lord. What is this to test in us? To see if we will obey the word of the Lord irregardless of what anybody else says or does, that we are completely loyal to our king. The Lord didn't reject Saul as a person. He rejected him as a leader. Boom. And he reigned for 33 more years, but it was a constant sore in his side because of David. You know, and he hunted him like a, you know, an outlaw. Okay, and then we went to 118, Progeny, I believe it was, and we went out to... Edneyville Community Center, eight together. And I shared that story with y'all, and you can listen to it about that you become as a little child. You know, Jesus says this, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven unless you become as a what? And there's two men in the Bible that call themselves a little child, Jeremiah and King Solomon. What a name to call yourself. Uh, two pretty profound men that God raised up, uh, called himself by that description and then Jesus says that's the entry point on the kingdom if you're going to be a kingdom man or woman become completely vulnerable and dependent okay and so no power play or anything like that okay we'll look at so we work through that through the eight steps the ministry goes through that and then move to the next one okay I know that you all remember X2M 120 because it was like a blast went off in the house. I don't know if you remember that. But I mean, everybody was at the end like, oh my, we've secured something. I said, we sure have. The polyvalent was the four horns. We went through that together. Remember that? Knocks down the four horns and sets the capstone in place. We have a capstone. The opposite of the New World Order, the Melchizedek Order, the capstone, the upside down kingdom is in place. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The capstone and cornerstone, the same thing. The architecture is upside down. The Lord has him a kingdom people to, and it says this in Daniel, and they shall procure the kingdom, and then they will possess the kingdom in Daniel. And that's what happened here, a possession of the kingdom of heaven for his people, X2M 121. Uh, builder of God's city, 
And I want you to notice this, and I, I had to give this context. He told me to do this this morning. Acts 21, 22, we started here, right here. He tells me the word will be proliferation. I like this, pro-life ration. Proliferation, I had to look it up. You know what it means? A rapid increase in numbers. And he told me, you'll see it in your nation. X2M 122, a proliferation. It will begin. Tie it together if you want to. But a people have possessed the kingdom, and you will with your own eyes. He told me that. You will see it, and we see it in the news already. A proliferation, an increase in numbers of those who are seeking the Lord. And then, last week, and then I want to bring it up to this. We'll discuss this together, and then we'll close. Uh, promissory. The Lord's paid the note. The Lord's covered it all, and it's all paid for. Jesus at the cross, he paid for this move of God. He secured it, and it's a done deal. It's basically what's going on right now is we're, we're all along for the ride. <laughs> and, it, and you'll get activated, but you're on the ride because the promise of the Father, the promise of the Father to tabernacle among his people is, is done. It's, it's done in the courts of heaven right now. The promise is complete. And that was last week, and so I want to break out last week a little bit and just have a little discussion here. I've got about 15 minutes, and then you know, we'll close. And so when I, to back up, when I get back home Sunday night, I'm looking through Meredith Klein's book. On the chapter we're in, chapter 2, verses 6 through the verses that led up to today, because we have completed chapter 2 today. And I look down, and uh, I believe these are in the notes as well. It says, um, you see that kerygma, evangel of the messianic angel? Kerygma. Um, kerygma is a Greek word for apostolic proclamation of the gospel. The apostle and the prophet operate under that anointing. Okay. In the fivefold ministry, the apostle functions in this kerygma. A proclamation of the uh, the gospel of the kingdom. The prophet has this anointing on them. The the evangelist operates in something called euangelizo or euangelion, depends on what the ending is in the Greek, uh, for evangelism for the gospel of salvation. Pastor operates in homileo. It's a function that comes out of them as homiletics and homileo, which has is poetic and. Um, um, and beautiful, the, the pastoral function. And then in the teacher, it's didache. These are the Greek words that their function in the fivefold ministry. So when you see kerygma here, you're talking about gospel of the kingdom that's being proclaimed by the apostolic band or by a prophet, uh, primarily by an apostle. They, they function in this anointing. And it's a, I mean, it's, a, it's a definitely a powerful thing. A lot of times we call that person preacher, but uh, a lot of pastors are caught, you know, operate more in a homiletics, or well, they use the homiletics, but they homileo. Um, and it's, you know, it's to help with, uh, you know, felt needs, you know, care, uh, in, uh, sickness, things like that. You know the differences in these operations that the fivefold ministry operate in. So when you see this uh, word, I just wanted you to be aware of that because it's a different function. So the evangel of the messianic angel. 
And then here are the three subsections in Klein's book, and these literally happened last week, and I want to tell you a little bit of the story. Conquest of the nations, conversion of the Gentiles, and validation of a messianic commission. So while I'm up here, and the Lord says, you know, take command, I said, of what? And he says, and then I didn't understand. And then these three visions flash in front of my mind. Now, there are personal, but the Lord told me this this morning. I'll say it like this. It's in 2 Samuel chapter 5. It, it says um, about David, he says that when he knew God had made him king when uh, the Lord gave him a house, and he knew that God raised him up in leadership for Israel's sake. The Lord doesn't raise up leadership uh, for their own sake. <laughs> If what purpose, what would you lead, or who would you lead if it was just for you? So this isn't like a, you know, look at me kind of thing. No, God raises up leadership for Israel's sake. That's what David realized. He said, you placed me in this position of authority for your people. And so what my, I want to say that because what I'm going to say is, per, it was personal, yes, but I want to say, because he told me, this is for Israel's sake. Uh, I raise up leadership for them. Uh, because I'm going to raise up the Israel of God, and I'm going to do this. And so I'm, I'm up here, and it flashes three, three screens flashing in front of my eyes at the same time. And one of them, which I shared last week, I'd had an encounter in 2015 with um, Michael the archangel, and, uh, and he says, we're at your command. And uh, I thought that was, I was in a lion vision, to be honest with you, because I thought that's a crazy thing. And then I told that story last week, that when I saw him, I said, who's where? And then they went into like a V formation as far as my eyes could see in the second heavens. And I said, man, he's, that's the war department. I was like, this is pretty amazing. But then I said to him, I'll have to get back to you on that. And I fell out of the second heavens. I'm sort of like floating down back into my seat next to Stephen, who's taking us into the, into the heavens. And, um, and the Lord, while I'm falling out, tells me Dale M. Sides. And I've shared that story last week. And meet Dale Find out he wrote a book, Angels in the Army. It's a pretty profound thing. Check the M to make sure that he had an M in his middle initial. That was the guy. And he did the Dead Sea Scrolls on how, to, how we can operate in the, God's kingdom in the commanding of the angelic order. And so um, and that was 2015. And I had no context or framework for that. And so that flashes in, the, let's say, the left side of my eye last Sunday. And then in the center, I'm in Kansas City in the center of my eye, three visions all at the same time. I'm in Kansas City. This was back in, I don't remember, it was a one-thing conference. Mike Bickle's on the stage. Brad Ames is at the very back, I think, in a green jacket, if I remember right. It's like a military jacket. Uh, Kara and I are about two-thirds back in 25,000 people there. And um, the worship is getting hot, man, in there. I mean, it is... <laughs> The spirit, you remember it, Brad? Because I talked to Brad later, and he's like, man, we were about to hit full-scale move of God's spirit. And, and Mike's on the stage, and I know that he's prepped. And it's like, you know, it's the thing we're all waiting on. It's just like, and you can feel the spirit just moving. Well, in the event, I'm two-thirds back. All of a sudden, I'm up in the atmosphere. Now, you have to understand, it's not like I have experiences like this all the time. I don't. I'm floating up in the atmosphere over the top of Bartle Hall, right? Is that Bartle Hall? I'm floating in Bartle Hall right about midways 
And I got this sword in my hand. It's got a blade like this wide on it, and it's as long as this whole room is. Now, I was kind of happy because back when I started my journey in 2004, I'd had a dream, and I was having to deal with Jezebel and Ashtaroth in the dream, and I went to pull out my sword, and it was that long. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, break it. I'll knife you. And uh, they're foaming at the mouth and the dream and scared, and they've got this revolver, and they're going to shoot me, but they can't do anything because I've like, I've got this little tiny little thing, and I'm like, it's more like a knife. <laughs> it's not a sword. And uh, it worked, you know, and that was like 04, I think it was. And, and so Man. So I wake up from the dream. I was like, the first question I have by the Holy Spirit is like, how do you get a bigger sword? <laughs> this is pathetic. <laughs> and so the Lord's like, well, you need to actualize about 2,000 2, verses into your person. That you need about 2,000, not like you have to recall the... Uh, chapter and verse kind of thing, but you need about 2,000 installed into your mainframe. And I, you know, I didn't understand what he meant. The word became and, yeah, because that's, your soul was built for the word, that you were made to receive the engrafted word into your souls, right? And he's like, I have to graft that into you through suffering, <laughs> You know, and I'm going to take you through an experience. You're going to trust me. I'm going to put this scripture in you. I'm going to tie you back up, make you feel better. And then we're going to do that again and again and again until the word becomes flesh fully. No, Paul's like, I'm, I'm in labor and in travail until Christ be fully formed in you. Now you know what he means. That, that's why those guys are wearing tassels around of 613 laws the Jews were, because they, the word, that's why they're carrying phylacteries on their hands and their foreheads. They want the word integrated into their very being. So back at Kansas City last Sunday, up, up in Bartle Hall, second vision, and I got this thing now. This is, you know, 12 years later or so, this weapon, yeah, you know, and light's coming off the tip of that thing, and I'm swinging it around the uh, Bartle Hall, and I'm like, oh, it's on now. And I'm pretty happy because I got a decent weapon, too, and I'm pretty proud of myself, uh, by the way. <laughs> it's been my nature. <laughs> uh, and so I'm, I'm swinging it, and I take it and slam it into the ground, and <laughs> light's going out, and I'm like, this thing's going to blast. We're going to get a secure thing on this nation. Because, you know, we're all waiting on it, and we're just like, this is the time. And then all of a sudden, this angel comes out of a portal to up to the left of the stage, and he just pops out of the portal. He's not as big as Michael. He's probably as high as from the floor there to that ceiling. Pretty big, robust guy, but not anywhere near big as Michael, but just, you know. And he says, <clears throat> come up here. And so I'm like, <laughs> my sword just... I'm like, I'm amazing. <laughs> I get up there. He puts his hand on my shoulder like this, and he says, the father says to quit doing that. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I'm like amazing. I'm amazing. This is what I've been, this, I, and I said to him, I thought this is what they wanted, and I was talking about the Trinity. <laughs> 
I thought this is what they wanted. And um, he says to me, just a serious, plain-faced, just, you know, cut and dry to the point. He says, you don't have the jurisdiction. And I was like, how do I get that? <laughs> you know, like, well, what else? 2,000 more scriptures. <laughs> You're going to have to suffer. <laughs> you know, and he didn't say that. I'm saying that. I just had already had all that training, and I, this thing's big enough. We can handle this. No, it's not the time. It just wasn't the right time. This is second vision last Sunday. Kansas City, first Michael the Archangel, now this vision. And I'm like, man. And the Lord's like telling me, you have authority now. Take command now. Flashes into the third vision. I'm not saying that you should watch this. But I'm in Transformers the last night. And... <laughs> And there's this scene in there where Excalibur, where he's Cade Yeager, he's the like protagonist of the film. He finally has this talisman. Oh, there it is. Uh, this talisman that's sent to him by the Guardian Knights, which is out of King Arthur's court, and it's this whole thing like that. And he finally like these Guardian Knights are coming to kill Optimus Prime, who's the Autobot commander, uh, because he had defected with Quintessa, who's this evil godlike creature or whatever. And so Cade doesn't want Optimus to die. And so right, and, and Cade won't pick up his sword. He just keeps on sort of floundering, finding out who he is. And then finally, when they go, one of the guardian knights goes to kill Optimus, he pulls out this thing and that talisman that's in his, on him turns into Excalibur and he stops. And it, you know, basically it's on right there. And that flashes in my eyes into the third vision. And I'm up here, and I look over at Stephen. Right when this happens, he says, now, I'm paraphrasing you. If I'm not right, you can correct me. But he says something to the fact of, or says, you must take command or something. I'm out or something like that. What did you, isn't that something like what you said? Give or take, you know, take command. I'm like, out. and the Lord had just told me, take command. So then Stephen's like, take command. And uh, when I flew aircraft, when you fly whatever position you're in, right or left seat or tandem, you have to transfer power on the aircraft and it goes through a dictation kind of like this. The one who has the yoke or the stick will say, you have control to the other person in the aircraft. And you'll say, I have control. And then they'll say back to you, you have control. That's three-way communication that makes sure you're locked up. I have the charge of the aircraft. If you don't say it that way, you don't know where each one of you stands because you're going to take the stick in, in, a, in a fighter jet or F-16s over here, F-15s down here, little Cessnas right here. <laughs> you, know. uh, you have control. Oh, I have control. <laughs> no, you have control. <laughs> Thank you. I don't even want to be in control of this. <laughs> but anyways, you got to start somewhere. You know. <laughs> anyways, engine failure. Okay, good. Finally, we're doing something. <laughs> Uh, you like that. <laughs> Anyways, there has to be, when uh, there's a transfer of command, and uh, it happens up here last week, and, I, and the Lord said, you have command. I said, I do? I have command. You have command. And I said, okay. 
And we did this in the military too. And it's very military, you know, we had what was called, some of you that served change of command ceremonies. And you know, an oncoming commander has come and take command and they switch uh, command. And then they'll have this big elaborate ceremony because, and then they fire all the other guys, guys. And then the other guy gets pick up his own staff and then he takes command. Or sometimes they might keep a couple of them if they like them or something. And so uh, this happens last week. And there's three visions. So when I got, when I asked the Lord, what is this command for? He says, uh, and, and it's right here in, uh, in this, because he says, I want to gather the elect from the four corners of the earth that are scattered. And so when I was looking at Klein's notes, it's conquest of the nations. And then I was like, oh, that's what X2M is. Exit to is, is to, to, for conquest of the nation. Now, you must understand that you're heavily involved in this by even uh, us being together. The next thing, and the, the second one, was for the conversion of the Gentiles. Uh, the one in Kansas City. I find it interesting that the Lord calls everybody else Gentiles. But, you know, he had shared with me the week, the day when we start here, he says, hey, house of Shem. He said, because there's honor in my house, I will bring forth Japheth now. And Japheth means the one who enlarges. And I will enlarge now. And then the pro proliferation begins to happen. But he's like house of Shem. And he, he talks to me like this. You know, he's different in the way he communicates. He communicates very biblical. <laughs> and he has his own communication methodology, but he's like, I mean, he's talking to us in, in regards to Judah and Jerusalem here, but then he's like, but I'm going to raise up a Gentile uh, people, a people that do not know me yet, and I'm going to reach into the Gentiles and begin to draw them to me. I have to admit, and I wholeheartedly admit, I didn't know that Kansas City was playing the Eagles that night. I did know, I did know, however, Bob Jones' prophecy. But I did not realize that that was happening that day for, off these visions. And I'll let you connect the dots yourself. And Bob Jones has been here, has he not? And the Lord said, when we came here, I will connect the Melchizedek order to the vineyard. And I realized while I was up here, I said, this is the craziest thing. You're saying the vineyard, aren't you? The vineyard. He's like, yes, that's what I'm saying to you right now. This is epic. I was like, this is epic, Lord. And I wouldn't, you know, I'm like, I don't, I've been like mesmerized by it all week. I wake up in the morning, and I was like, oh. And then, oh, and then I get up the next day, I'm like, oh, he's like, oh, I've been waiting for this day. So the conquest of the nations, Michael, why? Because Michael has to knock Lucifer out of the north, out of the sides of the north, Revelation 12, in partnership with a man-child company. Boom. Let the guy come down out of the second heavens and because he knows his time is short. Because we're inheriting the kingdom. 
I mean, this is on us, guys. This isn't like some kind of like we're talking about what's going to happen. This is a present tense event happening right now. This isn't like, oh, one day the Lord's going to do this. No, this is. And I'm, I'm like Jeff Manning who said, you know, Lord, help me not to think of things too high for me. You know, was that Psalms 131? Tell me not to consider things that are too lofty. I don't want any part of that either. But I do want to be the kind of people, us to be the kind of people that when the Lord begins to move, we take him serious and we don't just slough it off to make everybody feel better about something or whatever and try to flatline. And when God himself is moving, I'm not going to do that. I refuse to. I'll tell you exactly what I believe he's saying. If you don't agree, you don't agree. It's fine. But I'm not going to just sit back and watch God on the move and just be like, well, and let a generation go by and not give some kind of leadership to it. I'm not doing it. Spend too much of that. The conversion of the Gentiles is upon us. The Lord's going to begin, and you'll see it. If you're not already seeing it, he's going to begin a drawing. And then there's the validation of a messianic commission. Um, I know this is, if you've listened to Michael Heiser and Matt Halstead on this, and I highly recommend you listen to these podcasts, and if you don't know where they're at, ask me or whatever, I'll put them out so you can go listen to it. He uses and understands that when we're using the word uh, messianic in the old covenant, it's the same or translating a new covenant for Christology or Christos. And it means messianic or messiah means the anointed one. Just so that you know, Cyrus was attributed to by the language of messiah. And because this has been a real confusion, someone uses that kind of language, everybody's like, oh man, oh man, that's heresy. There's no question from this platform that Jesus is the king. Nothing. But the Lord is raising up a people, a company of priest kings himself, a people for himself. The four corners of the earth, I found it in Matthew, it means the gathering in of the elect. Um, some commentators say it's the 144,000. If, if that is correct, and I believe that it possibly is, that means the government of God on a global scale. So when the Lord begins to be the builder of his own city, <laughs> that's where we've been, builder of God's city. That's what he means. He means I'm going to gather the elect, the global government from the four corners of the earth, the 144,000 that are seated in the heavens with me and begin to arrange a, a global order of government in the Melchizedek order. The conversion of the Gentiles is the population that will turn to him when he begins to move by his presence in cities everywhere. And this is going to be forthcoming in the next two weeks uh, that we're here. This is the commission of the Lord on his elect. You being, I'm sure almost everyone in here, being this elect company that he has commissioned and called for himself. Uh, because the Lord wants you to deeply know who you are. We finish the event. Brad Ames comes up to the, at the end. He says, Carol, of a truth. And he's that serious look in his eyes. Of a truth, I know this is the word of the Lord. I said, why, Brad? He said, because... A friend I've not spoke to in so long. Call me before this meeting. Tells Brad. 
I tell you, Jeremiah 1. Gus Vickery looks, eyes get a little bit big. He says, look on my phone. Last night I go to bed reading in this uh, op-ed or something. It was some kind of article. Jeremiah 1. And so you can see that the Lord is moving in these three ways. He's moving in the gathering of the elect. He's moving on Kansas City for the conversion of the Gentiles for a revival that I believe will turn into an awakening. Because here's the thing, revival's fine. Revival fire is good. But it's going to be when the elect and those that are coming in on this revival threat when you know that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When Jesus has paid for everything and you're not trying by situation to become more holy, you've been declared holy. This is what the, uh, the great awakenings were about. Those preachers, they got up and, man, and they declared the people righteous now because of the work of the cross and it's done. If you can't feel that, it's not like, oh man, I got to go to another counseling meeting and get another inner healing thing. No, no. Or I got to go and sign up for this other thing. No, it's over with. I am done. I am his and it is complete. And I don't need another situation of sanctification. You know, there's two different ways of sanctification. One is by situation. The other one is by revelation. If you can have a revelation of the man... And that's what's coming down to us. A revelation of the man's righteousness imparted to you. Not just imputed righteousness, but imparted righteousness onto your person. And you can just trust his sovereign grace and say, I trust you that you've made me complete now. That's where, the, that's where awakening spawns. And that's what's coming on this end time church. Let's stand together. That's... That's the move. And so the Lord's warming up the Gentiles. We call it a revival. Uh, their hearts are beginning to be turned and moved towards his presence. But I'm believing that the kerygma of the evangelical angel who partners with the end time move is ready to break through and bring forth a harvest like we unprecedented in this hour like we've never seen before. And that we are under activation orders by our king. That you've been prepared, uh, Jeremiah 1, called, not just called, but commissioned uh, for such a time as this, that it's upon us. I wouldn't have so much confidence to call something like this if I didn't see it directly reflected in our events and in the text and in literally, didn't know, that was manifesting itself and would manifest itself like Bob said it would. That the apostolic chiefs, right, uh, would come online when Kansas City uh, won. Now, you know, they won a few years ago. And I, you know, I can't describe all that, but it seemed like to me maybe it was a warm up. It was, it was to say there's something happening here, but this is like a now word that's present tense off a platform of a place that was called Mountain Vintage Fellowship with a government intact. 
with the Lord giving the command orders from his headquarters concerning this nation, saying, now, now, you know, we, none of us can make anything happen or do anything, but I'll tell you, what we can do is we can agree with the Lord. And far be it from any of us not to agree with him. Now, you don't have to agree with me. I'm not even asking for that. I'm asking if you see a clear representation of the word of the Lord, that you agree with God's word, that you agree with what he's saying, and you especially agree with who you are in him. Um, we're moving into guardian of God's course, and it's when Joshua, the high priest, is standing there with filthy garments. And the Lord, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord rebuke you, Lucifer, and all your ploy against God's people and how you've tried to, how you've worked to convince us that we're not the sons and daughters of the Lord and tried to keep us all bound down in isolationism and all this. It's over because we know who we are. And when the people know who they are, they shall do great exploits. And it didn't matter how small we were because now we know what it says in Isaiah chapter 60, verse 22. That even one would be a thousand and even a small company would become a great um, nation. This is you. asked the Lord, I said, what does this glory in our midst look like? And I'm going to tell you what he's telling me this week. I said, nobody's going to believe this. This is crazy. I said, nobody's going to believe me, Lord. I'm not saying you won't, but I said, how would they believe? He said, hardly anybody believes me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> welcome to the club. <laughs> I thought that was the most apropos statement. <laughs> Listen, because I, I don't know if you, you know what I'm saying, but when Christ is formed in you and you begin to take a step out, do you understand what I mean? Because he's in you. I said, what is the glory in our midst? He said, me and you. Oh, I thought, oh, I was looking for something else. I think I was looking for something else, Lord. He said, no, me and you. I want you to step out the one that's me and you and move with me and you. And when you do, live and move like Paul said and have your being in me. Because I think a lot of the church is looking for a major manifestation like we saw in the old covenant. And I'm not saying the Lord can't do that. But there's a greater reality that he always wanted was the tabernacle inside of us. I'm like, you're calling the shots inside of me. It, I don't know how long it takes to like make this transfer in your understanding. It's not weird. It's not awkward. He's a human. 
I mean, Jesus is. But his divine nature that's operating in you is like, that's you. You're different. You're different. Step out in me. Now, it's a, it's a well, I, 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 I'm the righteousness of God. What about my past? He paid for that. What about how it's going to represent in the future? He's paid for that. Listen, um, oh, was, we were doing this Wednesday night. I'm delighted in. Oh, um, I'm, wait a minute, it's you. It's you and me. It's you living your life in me. Uh, Jesus is on the throne. No, it's your divine nature in me. Don't shrink back. You know, Brad talks about the fake trust barrier. Don't come up to the edge of it. Pull back on this right now. No, 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 no. Christ in me. Christ in me. Christ in me. Oh, I'm going to be represented. It'll be weird. I'll step out. It'll be strange. I used to think I was going to climb walls and walk on them. I actually wouldn't mind doing that now. <laughs> Christ in me. This is the glory of God in our midst. It's when you and me believe that he's fully, not just believe intellectually. No, 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 not intellectual faith, Gus, like you're talking this way. No, the, the, the reality of faith, Christ in you. And that we were made by the Lord uh, to live in this, for him to live in us uh, constantly, uh, the glory of God uh, manifest in our midst, Christ in me. I'm not outside seeing myself in myself. No, he's in me, looking through me, through my eyes uh, to you. And you, uh, Christ in you, is looking at me through his eyes to me. And I feel all this affection and warmth. Uh, Christ in me, Christ in you. The glory of God in our midst is this. this. I've been looking for a place where I could vacate so I could come in and integrate my whole self into you. Oh, this is tabernacles. Steve, will you do that sit in darkness all? But I, you know, it, it, you know, he talks about my friend here. He talks about sometimes that, oh, we gotta slap it harder and shout louder. I don't mean that. I mean Though we sat in darkness in this anthropological form that was tainted with sin, that we were born and shaped in iniquity, and that a king came in and said, I want to make it set up residence in you and send a Holy Spirit, the one, the one. And though I've sat in darkness in this anthropological form, Micah chapter 7, though. I've been down in this form since you shot me down in the earth in my body and that this body did not recognize you. And even though it didn't know you, it didn't knew you before the foundations of the earth, that I was known in you and I'm yours in your mind. It's been a little while for me, 47 years, for my daddy, 70. For some of you, whatever. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord rebuke you, enemy over the people of the Lord. 
The Lord rebuke you, Lucifer, and it comes again and taunted the sons and daughters of the king. The Lord rebuke you. I'm the glory in your midst. It's only yeah. I sit in darkness. Uh, Rejoice cool. not against me, your enemy, and when I fall, uh, I shall arise. The Lord is a warrior. That is his name. You are called commissioned of the Lord. It's only I sit in darkness Rejoice not against me Your enemy And when I fall I shall arise Light break forth Light 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 in you Light in you I pray that this spark that's inside of you will ignite. The spark that will ignite on the earth, a flame. I pray, Holy Spirit, right now, let this flame rise. Let this flame rise in your people, Lord. Let the spark ignite. I pray that you would ignite this end time remnant, Lord. Fire, 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 Lord, fire, Lord, fire. We're not of those who draw back. No, we're the ones who run in, run, run in to the Lord. When you are shining, I shall be in the house. Run to the Lord. Run to Him. And you will find safety in the Lord. I'm running to you, Lord. I'm running to you, Lord. Run into me and take over my frame, Lord. Take over, Lord. Take me, I'm yours. Take over, Lord. Take over as Lord. I was made for you. I was made for love. I was made for you, Lord. I was made for you, Lord. 
Rest in the Lord. We've labored, therefore, to enter into the rest of faith. Listen, this week I was in my vehicle in the morning and the presence of the Lord just took over with taking the kids to school. You know what the great command of the Lord is? And I said, Lord, what is it? He says, listen, you have the authority. You have the authority from me to exonerate everybody under your care. From all of their past, you can exonerate them. You can basically tell them it's over. Do you understand it's over? What's plagued you in the past and what's kept you down, it's over. And I said, I'll do it. He said, that's the guardian. That's where we're moving into. I said, oh, man, the tears are just flowing down my face. And I was thinking about how many believers have struggled and been down in the dumps and have hurt and have, just like, and have tried to believe the Lord and tried to do everything they could and have been just hit with uh, all the pain and all the problem. And he says, I said, I'll declare over them that you're righteous. And I'll say to them, I'll say to them who you are. And he said, exonerate them from all legal, all things that abound them. You, see, we have the right by the Lord to remit sins. We have the right from the Father to not hold someone in liability when we ourselves are no longer under that liability. You know why the enemy got a hold of us? Because he placed us in judgment against our brothers and sisters. And he convinced us of this law-based thing and tried to get us in liability against our neighbor. And he stuck us in a liability. I'm free from the law of sin and death. Whew. I'm free from the law of sin and death. I don't have to take that off my, onto my structure. I can take the one, the one who has set me free, the one who's redeemed me. Oh, he's my light in my life. He's my salvation. And I'll have no other testimony and neither shall you. No other testimony than this. Christ is my righteousness. Hey, forget the past, forget the former things and look at the one whom they pierce. Look at him. This is my life. I'm not gonna take another testimony. That is my testimony. My testimony is you. My testimony is you. My testimony is you. You're my testimony. You're my being. You're mine and I am yours. 
You know what he said to me? Because I was struggling with this. I said, nobody's going to believe. He says, take it on faith. Listen, all great awakenings came off this function. Take it on faith. Yeah, but, but what about this and what about that? Take it on faith. And wait on him. Not intellectual faith like Gus and I talked about this week, but real faith. Real faith where you're waiting on him and he enters in and you know it's him. You know the difference? Every time that's ever happened to me, if I prayed for a sick person, they got healed. If I prayed for someone who wasn't saved, when that faith moved on me, the faith, his faith moved into me. They always got a miracle. It wasn't intellectual trying to strum up something. No, no, it, that doesn't work. No, it was, it was me looking at the one. And I just get my eyes fixed on him. This has the, been the great barrier of the church. And then what you do, this is how it is. James said it, faith without works is dead. What? Step out. Step out and believe now. He's the promise and he's the oath. Ah, 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 I don't know. I don't know how we're going to do it. It's not on me. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. I trust you, Lord. I trust your sovereign grace. I trust you as an heir of promise that if I step out, Hebrews chapter 6, I will enter in behind the curtain after the priest of the order of Melchizedek. And I'll move into not my own concept, not my own life, but his in me. And then he comes in. He comes in until there's no more interruption between him and you. This is our inheritance, saints of the living God. Christ in you. Christ in you. Glory. The glory in our midst. And I pray that your spirit may comprehend what is being said to you out of this house right now. That you will come into the deep and depth of the comprehension of the Lord on your being. And that you will not allow another testimony to enter into your mind, but the testimony of the one who is faithful and true.
fullness of the Godhead bodily who has even considered such a thing that God would union himself with man who has even conceived of something so phenomenal as that
Revelation chapter 19, and after these things I heard what sounded like a loud voice of a vast throng in heaven sing. Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God because his judgments are true and just for he has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her sexual immorality and has avenged the blood of his servants and poured out by their own hands. Then a second time, the crowd shouted, Hallelujah! The smoke rises from her forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures threw themselves to the ground and they worshiped God, the one who's seated on a throne saying, amen, hallelujah. Then a voice came from the throne saying, praise our God, all you his servants and all you who fear him, both the small and the great. And then I heard what sounded like a voice of a vast throng and like a roar of many waters and like loud crashes of thunder, shouting, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I say hallelujah, hallelujah. For the Lord our God, the all-powerful reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him glory because the wedding celebration is upon us. The bride has made herself ready. I'm dressed in bright light. I'm forever yours. I'm yours, Lord. We are yours, Lord. We're the people of your pasture. We're your sheep, Lord. And you know us, Lord. And we know you. You're mine. And I am yours. I'm forever yours. I'm forever yours. I'm forever yours. And you're forever mine. Forever mine. I'm forever yours. Forever yours. Forever mine. Oh. My soul exalts in you, Lord, and says, hallelujah. I say hallelujah. I say hallelujah. I say hallelujah.
And may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may you have peace. Amen. Bless you today. the night. 